This is episode 19 of the Home and Family Culture Podcast. I'm Jody Chafee. In this episode, I interviewed Balaji Oyejide, author and creator of Brave Young Heroes. Welcome to the Home and Family Culture Podcast, where I discuss how families can discover and design their collective vision, values, beliefs, and traditions that influence their family culture. The purpose of my podcast is to interview experts who can offer tips and tools to aid families in the process of developing their family culture, and also successful individuals whose success was influenced by their family culture. For more information or to subscribe, go to homeandfamilyculture.com or you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Family Culture Podcast and on Twitter at underscore Family Culture. You can tune in on my site or on the variety of podcast broadcasting apps like iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, and even on YouTube. Just search Home and Family Culture with the ampersand between home and family culture. Please remember to like, comment, share, and rate on whatever medium you choose. I would love to hear from you. So welcome, Balaji Oyejide. So he's a superhero movie producer and the best-selling author of the 50-book Brave Young Heroes series. His goal is to give every kid who's ever felt like an underdog a superhero that is just like them. Balaji uses story to teach children how to overcome adversity and change the world. Welcome, Balaji. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on here. I am thrilled. I'm a big fan of your show. Thank you. Gosh, I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity here. Wow. Thanks for having me on. No, yeah, so happy. So tell us some more information and inspiration behind the Brave Young Hero series. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I'm actually from Nigeria originally. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Nigeria and didn't move to the U.S. until I was 17 years old. And that's relevant and significant because of the universality of my experience. You see, I grew up a very introverted child, very Mm -hmm. shy. Uh, I'm still an introvert. I I didn't know until probably my mid-20s that that was not a plague or an affliction. (laughs) It's just a personality type. Mm -hmm. But I actually, to be honest, Jody, when I was growing up, I didn't understand why uh, I wasn't able to sort of meet the social expectations the same way that my friends were. I felt socially awkward. Uh, I I felt like I wasn't quick-witted. I was the kid who would come up with the best comebacks like five hours (laughs) after the fact. And I I just felt like I was always missing a beat to the point where, especially when I entered those teenage years, uh, Jody, I felt broken. I was like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just be like the other kids, you know, confident and outgoing. Mm -hmm. And through, there were a couple of things that saved me through that period. And I'm going to talk about how that relates to the work I do today. One of those things was my identity. And I just always sort of had this, this weird feeling that even though I was this awkward kid who didn't quite fit in his body, I felt like somehow I was going to change the world. Mm. And I don't know what it was that my parents ever said that put that feeling in me. But even as I went through all of that childhood and teenage difficulty, I had in no uncertain terms, I knew, I didn't even feel, I knew that somehow I had a big contribution to, to make. I just didn't know what it was going to be. And the saving grace for me was comic books. Mm. I started to read Spider-Man comic books. Yes, halfway across the world in Nigeria, West Africa. I was reading about Peter Parker and Peter Parker, Jody, was me. Mm. Peter Parker was the awkward kid. He was good in class, but outside of class, he was the butt of every joke. He was shoved into the lockers and he just felt like he didn't fit in. Right. But but, but after school, the, the kid that everybody picked on is the kid that picked everybody up. Mm. Jody, he's the but the one who looked out for those who couldn't look out for themselves. And I said, if Peter Parker could make it, I don't know what my spider powers are, but one day I'm going to make it and I'm going to make a difference for somebody else. 
So that's where my origin story really started uh-huh. in the midst of all that awkwardness and social angst. I love that because that really speaks to so many people, I'm sure, especially kids, teenagers going through a transition with their bodies and social, you know, in between stage between not being a kid anymore, but not quite being an adult, you know, and but I like that. I like what you said. You felt like you were stuck in the wrong story. You felt broken and you just decided to start writing your own story. Is that where this then the series came from? You, you wanted to start writing a superhero that reflected you, and then it, and then where did it go? And then it went from there. It, it, it really did, but it's interesting, Jody. So I'll go with that hero metaphor mm-hmm. or analogy and, and use it in the context of movies. So in movies, every hero's journey, every story is boiled down to about uh, two hours or, or a little uh-huh. bit less. But in real life, sometimes a hero's journey can take decades, right. <laughs> okay? And yeah. my hero's journey, there's a big part of the hero's journey where initially they're in their original world, the ordinary world, and then they, they get a call to adventure. So something mm-hmm. is sort of gnawing at them that says, hey, there's more. You have more to offer. But you know yeah. what? The hero always turns down that call hmm. because we all like our comfort zones, don't we? Right. Even, even when the comfort zone is not a good place, even when we're mired in mediocrity, it's what we're used to. Yeah, it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's better than the unknown. And so yeah. I stayed mired in mediocrity. Now, let me clarify. One of my gifts, one of my talents just happens to be the way the chromosomes lined up and the synapses fired in my brain. I'm pretty good at schoolwork. I got good grades without having uh-huh. to work too hard. And so on the outside, it looked like I had it all together, Jody. I was the kid, yeah. you know, close to the top of the class. I was reasonably athletic. But on the inside, I was all twisted up. And so because of that, that actually worked against me. I actually mm-hmm. went a couple of decades, went through college, still feeling this social anxiety, mm-hmm. not knowing how to be myself around people. And it wasn't until I started reading self-development that yeah. I started to connect the, the, the dots yeah. and realize that, no, 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 you're not broken. Not everybody has to be the type A personality. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, the world needs the type A personalities, but the world also needs you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's awesome. So I really I love came- that description, Hero's Journey. I had that conversation with previous guests and it was a really great, you know, that whole idea, it really got me thinking about, you know, having this call to do something and then making a decision. Am I going to do this or am I not? Like, am I going to stay where I am or am I going to make the choice to explore the unknown and figure out where it's going to take me? Now, let, let me tell you about that, Jody, because I, I, I don't want to claim or, or I, I don't want to lead your listeners wrong. I was not so heroic, so proactive that I got the call and I stood up and I puffed right. my chest out and said, yes, I will answer the call. Let me tell you how it actually played out, Jody. I graduated from college, got a nice job, started earning money, and I, I put the call, my call to adventure, that call that said, hey, you had a rough childhood. Why don't you take these skills you have, this storytelling ability you have, and help other kids? I put that on the back burner. Because, <laughs> hey, I was finally, after four years of college and being a broke college, and I was making some money now. Uh-huh. And so I went through my corporate experience, uh, had a, gr- a couple of great um, runs with different companies, and then I got laid off. Mm. And the first time I got laid off, Jody, um, I started to doodle. I started to write, create some characters and write some stories. But that was that call telling me, Hey, remember me? It's time to start your journey. And and I was in my mid twenties at this point, but, 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 uh, the, 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 the the lure of uh, a good salary was too strong. And Mm. I went back, I got a second job. A couple Mm. of years later, I got laid off for a second time, Jody. Now remember, this is the smart kid, right? The kid who used to get A's and B's. I didn't understand why I was all of a sudden getting laid off. So it, I thought that was my identity. And I said, no, 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 mm. I can't be the, the guy that gets laid off. So I scrambled and I got a, a third corporate job. And two years later, I got laid off a third time. I was laid off three times in six years. And oh, for yeah. someone who, is a high, who thought their identity was always getting the high grades, the high marks, this was devastating to me, yeah. devastating. And, and at that point, I had my first child. I have two sons now. They're 10 and seven years old. But at that time, my first child was three years old. And 
uh, he and my, my little three-year-old and my wife, they took me to the local sandwich shop. Um, this was after my third layoff that very afternoon. They took me out for a sandwich just to help me feel better. And so I'm in the bathroom, Jody, washing my hands. Remember the call to action that we've talked about, mm-hmm. Remember how I've ignored it now mm-hmm. uh, three times. And I'm washing hands with my, my little son, my three-year-old. Now, he was an early reader. So he saw a sign in the bathroom. You guys should be familiar with it. And it said, employees must wash their hands before returning to work. Mm-hmm. So he says to me, dad, what's an employee? I said, oh, those are the nice people behind the counter that make the sandwiches and collect the money and give us the ice cream and all that good stuff. So we keep washing hands. And then he says again, dad, when do I get to be an employee? And Jody, I just tried the employee thing. Mm. I thought that's who I was supposed to be. And I've been rebuffed three times in a row. Mm -hmm. And I looked him dead in his eyes and I said, son, you will never be an employee. And on that day, Jody, I decided to answer my call for my adventure. And that was seven years ago. And those seven years have not been easy, Jody. Mm-hmm. I've written 50 books and, and I still haven't achieved or reached the level, reached the number of kids that I want to reach. But I know that I'm walking on the right path. Mm-hmm. And every time I look forward, and I see how, how high that mountain is that I'm trying to climb. And I get discouraged, Jody. I, I'm trying to be the next Walt Disney. I'm trying to have that level. And I fully believe it's going to happen. But every time I look up that mountain and realize I haven't even, I've hardly gotten started. Mm-hmm. I look back. I look back to where I was, Jody. Yeah. When I was go- walking down the wrong path. Goodness. I could have been in corporate America making a very comfortable salary, traveling, you know, lo- around the world, lots of lovely vacations, sure. big home, all the accoutrements of success. Mm-hmm. But I had a call to answer. And I answered my call. I'm trying to help other kids find their call and answer their call as well. So tell us more about these books that you've been writing and how and how they help the kids answer their calls. I love what you said, by the way. I'm like 100% with you on all everything you just said. It's, oh, it's awesome. You. That's something that I've been learning about and the episode that's going to be airing right before yours oh, wow. is the author of um, Unscripted. Oh my gosh. Of Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Entrepreneurship. One of my yes. favorite books. Right? So, MJ DeMarco. Yeah. Oh. So I got to uh, interview him and it was phenomenal. And that whole idea, you don't, you know, they, to be an employee, you're never going to have your freedom. You're never, you're always going to be just trading time for money. And I love that, that what you just said about trading, you know, giving that up and becoming independent, being your own person to pursue your mission and your purpose. And, and, uh, it's, it's interesting though, that sometimes it's hard to answer the call until you become so uncomfortable (laughs) with where you are. And then you go, why didn't I answer this call sooner? Why didn't I I follow this path sooner? Because it's scary. It's unknown. And it takes so long to get to the point where you feel like, Am I even making a difference? Yes. You know, am I really, am I even making an impact on anybody? Yes. But yes. you just have to hold that dream in your mind of what you're going for mm-hmm. and the impact that you want to make. Mm-hmm. And it just, that's what compels you to keep going and move forward and take the next steps. That's it. And, that's and it. the next steps also, also aren't always revealed to you until you take the next steps. Hello. And so <laughs> you can't, <laughs> you have to move forward. Absolutely. You're not going to see the path. It's the Isn't path that the truth? Open up for you. Ain't that oh. the truth? Amen. Hello. <laughs> I love everything that you just said. And, that, and I love that there is always that point where you go, no, this is not going to be the rest of my life. That's right. You're going to change this. That's right. And That's figure right. out what it is. That's right. Yeah, you know, so, uh, uh, and l- let me answer the question. I, l- I love what you've shared here, Jody. And let me sort of um, bounce or, or build on top of that. One of the challenges, when we think of the concept of a superhero, mm-hmm. as parents, you know, you're a parent, I'm a parent, most of your listeners will be parents or grandparents. We all want our kids to grow up and uh, we want them to be happy. Mm-hmm. We want them to be successful. If you think of the term superhero, a lot of times we inadvertently are raising our kids to be super. Mm. 
we're putting that emphasis on the super and less of an emphasis on the hero. So let me unpack that. When I talk about trying to raise super kids, we want our kids to get good grades. We want them to go to a good school, be good at sports, music, extracurriculars, get a good job, marry a good spouse, Mm -hmm. live in a good neighborhood with a good house, have good cars, take good vacations. We want them to excel, Mm -hmm. right? But all of that excellence and all of that is positive. All that's good, but it's focused on them as an individual. Okay. When you look at the, the hero part of superhero, hero by definition is focused on serving others. It's yeah. focused on taking what makes you special and serving others. I like to say that there is a very little difference, Jody, for fans of comic books or superhero movies, there is such a slim difference between superheroes and super villains. Mm-hmm. They've both got superpowers. Mm-hmm. They're both resilient. As a matter of fact, sometimes the villains are even more resilient, <laughs> right? Because they, they keep losing over and over and they keep on coming back with different innovative ways to try again. Right? So, <laughs> so you got to take your hat off to these supervillains. They are resilient. But... The hero focuses on taking what makes them special and helping other people. And that's what we can't lose sight of as parents who are trying to frame and create a family culture. Are you raising your kids just to be super or are you raising superheroes? Wow. I love that. I can't even add to that. (laughs) 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 It's That's it's a perfect, amazing point. We don't want our kids to just grow up and just exist with, okay, you've got millions of dollars and, or something. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with this life, these gifts, these talents that you've been given? That's it. Even the challenges that you've been given. What are you going to do with them? That's it. Oh, and I, I love that you said challenges, Jody, because mm-hmm. that's one of the focuses, maybe the main focus of these superhero books that I create. So I've, when I started to create these heroes, I wanted to, I almost wanted to create a self-development curriculum for my little, my little three-year-old, right? Nice. I, I, I started reading about self-development in my 20s. And I I didn't want my child to have to wait a couple of decades to gain self-awareness, to learn who he is and love who he is. I didn't want him to wait that long. So I started to create these heroes that all had what they perceived as a flaw. Hmm. So something that the world had told them made them less than, made them not good enough. You've got a kid with dyslexia. For example, uh, one of my heroes, his name is Kid Clever. He's a dyslexic kid. He's an orphan in Detroit, 15-year-old kid. This kid is a mechanical genius. He's (laughs) making robots in his basement, but he gets C's and D's and F's in school because of his dyslexia. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. to the world, all they see is a dyslexic kid. But to him, he knows what he's capable of. He sees a superhero. I created another hero um, from Greece, and this young lady, she's from Sparta. If you've heard of or seen the movie 300, that was a movie about the legendary Spartans. They were the greatest warriors of their time, and they could take on hundreds or thousands of men with a very small core of soldiers. Well, first of all, I created a Spartan hero that is female. Mm-hmm. Okay, typically, Spartan warriors are seen as male. So mm-hmm. I created a teen female hero, and... I made her obese. Now, mm-hmm. now, why would you want to have a, an obese hero? And especially if it's a young lady, why do you want to make a young lady uh, hero obese? Well, that's the challenge. There are a lot of people, whether they're boys or girls, that struggle with being maybe a little bit overweight or a lot yeah. overweight. Well, their body image is a huge problem. It's body image thing. is massive. Yeah. It's massive. And, and, and yet... Those people are being told that they are less than. A lot Mm -hmm. of those folks maybe have a slower metabolism or maybe have whatever issue it is. Or even if if they don't have healthy eating habits, that still doesn't mean they can't be heroic. It doesn't define who they are. It doesn't define who they are. It doesn't define who they are. But it's so – I realized when I – reflected on the struggles of my youth. And when I even looked back in my family history and I looked at the struggles of my parents, 
both of my parents grew up in uh, villages in Nigeria, grew up very poor, mm -hmm. and they were first generation educated. They were able to use education to climb out of that poverty, see the world, and now you know, they brought their family to America. They're both doctors. Mm -hmm. But that struggle at the beginning of their lives defined them. It didn't define them in a negative way, though. There's the term post-traumatic stress disorder that a lot of folks will be familiar with. Mm -hmm. Often we think about it for uh, people who have been to war or who've been through a traumatic experience of some sort. People go through trauma and then they, their mood is depressed afterward and they struggle to come out of that depression. Okay. Well, the opposite of post-traumatic stress disorder is post-traumatic growth where people go through trauma, they're temporarily depressed but they find, however they able, they're able to do it, they find a resolve that not only helps them climb back to where they were initially, but it accelerates their growth and they climb beyond where they would have been. That struggle and the ability to overcome and grow from struggle defines a superhero. If you mm. look at Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, Batman, for those who aren't that familiar, but most people should know Bruce <laughs> right. Wayne. Bruce Wayne, as a boy, unfortunately had his parents tragically killed before his very eyes. Mm -hmm. Now, remember, I talked about the thin line between superheroes and supervillains. Yeah. Bruce Wayne went through this tragedy, this trauma, and after going through an initial depression, he found resolve. Yeah. And he resolved to never let that happen to another kid in Gotham City. And so he spent a couple of decades training himself to be the world's greatest detective, training himself to be a scientist, using his money to build all this technology, and mm -hmm. he serves others. Same thing with Spider-Man. When Spider After Spider-Man, Peter Parker gained his superpowers, what did he do? A lot of people don't know this about his story, Jody, but Peter Parker became a wrestler. He wrestled mm -hmm. for money, and he used his powers for personal gain. He was super. Mm -hmm. He got the super check. He got that check mark. He checked that box. His parents should have been proud. His, his uncle and aunt should have been proud. But his uncle Ben kept telling him, Peter, with great power comes great responsibility. And mm -hmm. I'm telling you today that you're raising your kids. We are raising our kids to have great power. But we have to let them know that if they don't also cultivate and nurture that great responsibility, that's, that struggle that they went through before they gained the power will mean nothing. They mm -hmm. need to go through that struggle. We need to let our kids struggle, mm -hmm. let them gain that power. We want the kids to be super, but they have to find the heroic identity in themselves so that that struggle can create in them a purpose and they can use that power to serve others. That's incredible. I mean, because every kid has a challenge. Every kid has something that they're going through and they can either use that as an excuse for holding themselves back or they can use it as an opportunity to find ways to not, not necessarily focus on what that thing is, but maybe find what their alternate strength is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because like you say, like the school grades, our body image, you know, all these things, they don't define who we are. That's right. They, they're just a part of us, mm -hmm. but we can use the other gifts, other skills, other things that, we, that we've been given. Mm -hmm to use them as opportunities to serve and to make an impact and be That's heroes. Very That's very true. Uh, Jody. in listening to um, your show, and I've listened to probably most of the episodes now, you often ask your guests about books that they recommend. Mm -hmm. And I went through a book a couple of years ago, Jody. I listen to a lot of audiobooks now on Audible. It's yeah. a bit easier for me as a busy parent with the multitasking. And this book is by a young gentleman. I don't even know that he's a parent yet. So it's not a parent book, but I want parents to read it. His name is Ryan Holiday. Mm -hmm. And the book is titled, The Obstacle is the Way. Hmm. And it goes all the way back to ancient Rome. And it looks at ancient figures like Marcus Aurelius and how they, were, they, they sort of uh, followed the philosophy of Stoicism. Mm -hmm. And hardships and obstacles were not avoided. On mm -hmm. the contrary, they were embraced mm -hmm. because these Stoics felt and realized that the growth doesn't happen if you don't encounter and overcome the obstacle. Let, let, let me say it another way to yeah. try to make it clear for folks. Um, I, I heard someone 
ask once, and this was a, a pastor in a church, at a friend of mine's church, and he asked his congregation, are you preparing the path for your children or are you preparing your children for the path? I love that. Mm-hmm. When, when we think about that, Jody, so often we get caught up preparing the path for our children. Maybe we struggled with things as when we were kids and we don't want our kids to go through that same struggle. Maybe we didn't have a lot of toys or things growing up. And so we lavish our kids with those things, right? Maybe we didn't have opportunities uh, to to play sports or to learn piano growing up. And so we we overschedule our kids. Right. (laughs) Don't want them to miss out on any opportunities, right? But what we're doing is we're robbing our children when we do that. We're robbing them of those obstacles that will shape their character mm-hmm. and prepare them to, to tackle bigger obstacles. Mm-hmm. Or even taking from them their ability to cope with those things, you know, because if you are constantly doing things or not allowing them to choose, then they aren't developing those skills and abilities to cope That's right. either. That's right. That's very true. That's very true. Wow. Wow. I love that. So tell us about this, uh, your latest book that's coming out, this I Super, How to Raise a Superhero. That sounds awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. So over the past maybe six or seven years, Jody, I've written these 50 superhero books Mm -hmm. with fictional characters, um, all sorts of superpowers representing kids from all over the world. We have Mexican superheroes, Native American superheroes, Chinese, Indian, American I want, it, I, I want every child in the world to have a hero that looks mm-hmm. like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of parents started to ask me, well, so as a parent, what can I do to help raise my child uh, um, d- in a heroic fashion? And so mm-hmm. I decided to step back and sort of codify or create a, a formula that I've been that represents what I've been infusing into these 50 superhero books. I wanted to create a blueprint for parents <clears throat> to be able to step through and actually figure out how to help their kids become heroic, to essentially create a heroic family culture yeah. so that their kids can whether their kids are trying to or not, their kids will subconsciously build those heroic habits that will help them out in the real world. Yeah. So what are some of the, the habits? Can you give us a snippet of what that, that system or that formula looks like? I would love to. I would love to. So I super, it's not the latest iPhone. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it is an acronym though. And I'll tell you what each of those letters stands for. And then if you like, I can unpack uh, some examples in each of them. So right. let's step through the acronym I super. First, the I it stands for identity. The I stands for identity. You want to be able to craft a heroic identity for your children. If you think about um, Superman, the most iconic superhero, uh, comic book superhero in the world, Uh, his identity, his powers are that he can fly, he has super speed and laser vision, but what's his identity? Mm. You have to go back, peel the layers back and look at Clark Kent to understand super man's identity. At the end of the day, he is the son of Ma and Pa Kent. And Mm -hmm. they they gave him the family values that define who he is as a man. If he forgot that he was Superman tomorrow, if he lost his powers, he would still be heroic. He would still serve others. That's because he grew up with a particular identity. So that's the I in Mm -hmm. I super. And we can unpack that some more in a minute. What's the S? The S is superpowers. As you just mentioned a few minutes ago, Jody, I strongly believe that every single child is specially gifted with a set of superpowers. Mm -hmm. The challenge is a lot of times they grow up not knowing what their superpowers are, right? A lot of times school and society wants them to conform to particular Mm -hmm. things, especially when they start approaching those teen years. Everybody wants to fit in, right? Right. So someone, I don't know who it is out there. There's a cool, there's a cool department that defines what (laughs) what is cool for the year. And everybody's got to look like that. I went through this in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. I went through the phase of uh, 
acid wash jeans and <laughs> you know uh, I used to relax my hair there was a, that, like just weird stuff right. it was cool at the time trust me high mm-hmm. top ankle boots the whole nine you, <laughs> you look back though and it's like good lord what was I thinking every generation goes through that but right. we are all uniquely gifted with a set of gifts and once we can find and nurture those gifts that's when we that's when we create those superpowers. It's almost like if you think of the X-Men, Professor X, he had a school for gifted children and he would go out and find these teenagers whose powers had suddenly manifested. Cyclops with the eye beams, you know, and Jean Grey who could read, read minds. Mm-hmm. And he would go, he would say, okay, I see that you have some, some uh, potential for, for powers. Why don't you come to my school? I'm going to help you nurture them. So we want to be able to help kids find their superpowers and, and actually choose to be great at those things. When mm-hmm. we see potential in our kids, as opposed to trying to help those kids be good at everything, we want to try to nurture, nurture what those kids are naturally good yeah. at. Yeah. And find their gift. Find them, out, draw it out of them. Draw them out. Draw them out. That's it. absolutely it. So the S is superpowers. Let's talk about the U. The U in iSuper stands for unlimited gratitude. Now, you got to think, what does gratitude have to do (laughs) with being a superhero? I don't get it. What's the connection? Well, here's the thing. Uh, My mother would often talk about perspective, the word perspective, and Mm -hmm. how the, the glass is never completely full. It's never completely empty either. Right. But how... It's not how much water you have in the glass that matters. It's how you feel about that water that matters. Mm -hmm. It's what your perspective is that matters. So as we just illustrated, most superheroes have suffered some great loss, Mm -hmm. right? Superman lost his entire planet. Maybe it doesn't get any bigger than that, right? (laughs) Spider-Man lost his uncle, partially his fault. And Spider-Man is also an orphan. Batman Mm -hmm. lost his parents, Um, Bruce Banner is going through this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing where half the time he's a monster. Right. They've all suffered great loss, but rather than tuck their tail uh, between their legs, run away and hide, they choose to change their perspective and be grateful for what they gained. Mm. There's, um, for those of you who watch uh, Netflix, Marvel has recently released a lot of these superhero shows on Netflix and Daredevil <laughs> is one of the shows that's on Netflix. Well, mm-hmm. Daredevil is a kid. He was a happy-go-lucky kid. His dad was a boxer. He had no superpowers, but mm-hmm. there was a freak uh, accident. A truck carrying chemicals uh, crashed one day, spilled over right onto this poor young kid, Matt Murdock, blinding him, blinding him. Mm-hmm. He wasn't born blind. He was about 12 or 13 when he completely lost his sight. A lot of people would go into a funk and feel sorry for themselves. A lot of people would focus on the loss. Well, for him, even though he lost his sight, he gained extra perception. His other senses became enhanced. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, if you focus on the empty part of the glass, that's you losing your vision. If you focus Mm -hmm. on the part that has water in it, that's you recognizing that the rest of your senses have been enhanced. And so we want to be able to help our kids create a culture a habit of gratitude otherwise they're going to go out into the world and the world is going to tell them oh you don't have this or you are lacking in that oh Mm. look this person has this that and the other And, and they will focus on the part of the glass that doesn't have water so teaching the kids to have unlimited gratitude and to practice it as a habit is the you in that formula well, and it's almost as though that having a scarcity mentality is, is where the villains come in. Ah, That's where you become a villain rather than the hero. Watch out now. On... <laughs> that could be a whole other topic, right? That is good, Jody. But yeah, it's, that was what, that's what would define between a hero versus a villain. That's is right. whether or not you're going to appreciate or be grateful for the, the gifts you've been given. I love it. I love it. Jody, you're bringing out some of your superpowers right now. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is awesome. And and I'm really grateful for your your perception here because you're also helping me to see different angles to this. Uh, um, Now, let's think about the P in I super. The P is purpose. And purpose is so important. Purpose asks us the question, why? Why do you do 
what you do. Let me share a quick story of purpose. So I remember being 10 years old when my parents cobbled together all the money that they had at the time, and and, uh, they flew myself and my two siblings to Orlando, Florida to go to Disney World for three days. Can you say mind blown? A kid from Nigeria, small town, small college town in Nigeria, coming to Disney World. And as soon as I walked through those gates at Magic Kingdom, everyone else around me ceased to exist. For the first time, I was in a crowd and I didn't feel anxious. For the first time, I I just had this unadulterated joy, this just celebration, this happiness at being alive and being where I was. And I said, man, one guy thought of all this and created all this from his imagination? And I said, that is who I want to be when I grow up. And I was 10 years old, Mm -hmm. Jody, when I found my purpose. I was 10 years old, Jody, when I received my call to adventure. It wasn't until I was 30 before I answered that call, but I found that purpose at age 10. Until mm-hmm. my dying breath, I'm going to be working to rival and surpass the legacy of Walt Disney, not because I want to be better than Walt, mm-hmm. but because I'm inspired by Walt. Walt mm-hmm. tells me that, look, You don't have to limit yourself. You can actually have this much impact on the children of the world if you don't give up. And so Mm -hmm. that's my purpose. But everybody has a different calling. There's a mentor of mine, Jody. His name is Brett Culp. He creates uh, superhero documentaries as well. Wonderful gentleman. And he says, there is a you-sized problem somewhere in the world. There's a problem in the world that only you, with your unique Mm -hmm stuff, your unique combination of strengths and quirks and habits and and weirdness. There is a you-sized problem in the world. There is a problem in the world Mm -hmm. that only you can solve. And that that's, we're not just talking about your strengths, but we need your combination of strengths and quirks and weirdness and weaknesses and, and all that stuff. And only you, if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. So you Mm got to find that purpose. We have to help our kids find their purpose. And to do that, we can't focus on giving our kids um, what Martin Seligman, he's a a psychologist, the founder of positive psychology, what he calls the pleasant life. We -hmm. can't focus on just raising our kids to be happy, to, to have a life with minimal stress and minimal conflict. No, we can't even raise them, uh, to have, um, we want them to have a meaningful life. Yeah. We want them to have a purposeful life. And so as parents, finding their strengths is important. But as we find those strengths, we want to also help them direct those strengths at something that they feel called or they feel passionate about. So that's the P, purpose. Hmm. And you said, and when you were talking about unlimited gratitude, and you said that when, when we focus on the empty part of the glass, that you lose vision. And so it's almost like the, the gratitude and purpose go hand in hand because mm. if, you, if you're grateful, you're looking for your strengths, then those things can lend to your purpose mm. and the vision that you have for the direction that you want to take mm. that purpose, would you say? I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's so important. And it's so fascinating when we look back, Jody, at our grandparents' generation. Mm-hmm. They had... They had they had it so much tougher in a lot of ways. They had chores at a very young age. Some of them maybe even worked at a very young age. They, they didn't have all the luxuries. We mm. have no iPhone, no iPad, right? right. <laughs> no 1,000 uh, channels on television. And yet they grew up, they turned out just fine. Mm-hmm. It's because they, they were taught to be grateful for whatever they had, whether it was a little or whether it was a lot. And so even as we gain all these additional comforts in the world, we realize that we're not getting happier or more satisfied right. as, as a race of people. And it's that gratitude, the combination of gratitude, being grateful for what you have, as well as purpose, directing what you have towards someone else's problems. Mm-hmm. That's what gives us a, a meaningful life. And that's what makes us superheroes. And also being resourceful when you use what you have, yeah? Just being able to 
take what you have. I mean, because like you say, our grandparents didn't have all these computers and amazing technology and things like that. And yet from their generation and subsequent generations, we now have the amazing technology that that we have Mm. today. And what what kind of tools did they have? They didn't even have the same amount of technology and innovation that we do. But yet from them, we do have the progress and innovation. So somehow they took their resources that they had yes. and they were able to create something yes. bigger. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, say that again, Jody. <laughs> they, they took their resources. They, they took, took their resources that, that they had and they were able to create something bigger. We're, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants. Mm-hmm. We're standing on the shoulders of our parents, our grandparents, and now we, as parents now, we have that responsibility to let our children stand on our shoulders. But are they going to be standing on the shoulders of our stuff, mm. our iPhones, our Nintendo Wiis? Is that what they're going to stand on? Or are they going to stand on the shoulders of our character? Mm. And character only, listen, I, I don't mind if when I die, I don't leave my kids with a penny. If they go back and read the books that I've written, Mm -hmm. they will have their blueprint for how to live a meaningful life. And I think as parents, maybe sometimes it's good to give our kids the best education we can. Mm -hmm. It's good to give our kids the best clothes, shelter that we can. But after we're gone, none of those things will contribute to our legacy. Mm -hmm. The foundational character that we've given them, Jody, that's the legacy. Yeah. So what does E stand for? You got the E, man. You, you got me going now, Jody. I know, right? <laughs> you got me all worked up now, Jody. <laughs> this is good stuff. Yeah, this is really good stuff. And I'm loving how we're, how we're vibing back and forth. Um, the, 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 empath- the E is for empathy, Jody. So it, this is another distinction between superheroes and supervillains. Uh, mm. They both have powers. They both have abilities. Sometimes supervillains even have purpose. You might not agree with their purpose. Uh, <laughs> and I'll give you an example. One of, the, one of my favorite supervillains is Dr. Doom in mm. Marvel Comics. Now, Dr. Doom is one of the smartest guys in the world. His arrival of the Fantastic Four. So he and Mr. Fantastic are their peers. They're inventors. Now, Dr. Doom has a purpose. He wants to be a a benevolent dictator. He wants to take over the world because everybody else isn't doing it right. Mm -hmm. And so he wants to rule the world, not to mess things up for everybody. He just feels like he's the smartest guy in the world. So people people just need to line up behind him. Do it his way. (laughs) Do it his way. He has a vision for the world. So, you know, he he has maybe not the worst intentions, but the way he's going about doing it is all wrong. He has zero empathy. He cares nothing ultimately for the needs of or 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 the the feelings of others. And this is so important because especially in this generation of social media, in this generation of reality TV where mm-hmm. so much of what we're surrounded by is me focused. Mm-hmm. And it's even the, the iPhone has, the, it has I in it, ah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's focusing on, on, on self. We run the risk of raising kids unintentionally, unintentionally raising kids who are narcissistic mm-hmm. and self-involved. So it's important for us to create a habit of empathy and to create a habit of kindness, Uh, There are different ways that we could do that, but random acts of kindness, for example, performing Mm -hmm. kind acts for which you neither receive gratitude nor acknowledgement, right? Just Mm -hmm. do things, help someone, don't even tell anybody about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hold the door open habitually for strangers. And goodness, harder than that, hold the door open for your sibling without being, <laughs> maybe that's a bit too tall of a that's bar. True. I might've, I might've overreached. <laughs> Be nice, but being nice to your siblings, yeah. if we could master, and, and this is frustrating for parents because s- siblings for the most part have some level of sibling rivalry. Mm-hmm. But if we can start to sh- Uh, create teaching moments whenever Mm -hmm. they have that sibling rivalry and talk to them gently instead of in an exasperated tone. I'm preaching to myself right now, Jody, because, (laughs) you know, we just went through a week long of Thanksgiving vacation (laughs) and we had several moments of very frustrating, very annoying sibling rivalry. Mm 
Just, just taking away my peace for no reason at all. No reason. <laughs> but if we can make those teaching moments and mm-hmm. try to not only model empathy and mm-hmm. kindness, goodness, even when we're teaching them, it, I'll tell it to you this way. I just saw the movie Wonder with my dad and okay. my kids a couple of days ago. And there was a saying in that movie. They said, when given the choice between being right and being kind, choose kindness. Mm. So as parents, mm. l- let's say 90% of the time when it comes to correcting our kids, we're right. Let's, let's, let's just give us that. It's, <laughs> it's probably a lot lower. But let's say 90% of the time we're right. Is it worth berating our kids mm. simply because we are right and they're wrong in that moment? Or might it be valuable to model? I know it's, it's really hard, honestly. But mm. might it be valuable to model kindness even as we correct them? Mm. So that empathy is key. If you're going to be a superhero and you don't have empathy, goodness, it's got to be annoying to right. res- having to rescue innocent bystanders every week. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it's Friday night. You just want to Netflix and chill. And, <laughs> and there goes the bad signal. I mean, what's up with that? So <laughs> you got to have empathy. Yeah. Well, I like what you said because I feel like empathy, it really does come back to this family culture. And, you know, what, is, what do you value? As a family, you value kindness. And so then you can use that as say, as our fa- in our family, mm. we put kindness first. So mm. what can you do right now in this situation to show kindness? Or, you know, it, like you said, use it as teaching opportunities because it's a priority to you, to your family. And that's when, the, you know, your family mission statement or your vision statement, things like that that you've created for your family to, to put those values first. Yes. So it's a reminder, a daily reminder. In our family, we are kind. Or in our family, we show empathy when it looks like somebody's struggling or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it becomes part of your, your language. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, part of what you model, part of what you say. Mm-hmm. And in situations where it's time to show kindness, yes. pause and say, um, this is what our family values. And this mm-hmm. is what we need to do at this time to to make that a part of our, our culture at this moment. I love it. I love it. I love it. And that really ties in the, the I piece of I super, that identity. Mm. When we talk about family culture, a lot of times we are highlighting a family identity. Yeah. And I'll give you, Jody, some examples of how my wife and I have done that with our kids. We have two boys. They're 10 and 7 years old. We like to play board games in our family. Sometimes my seven-year-old might make a move or play out a turn or do something that maybe looks like he wasn't playing by the rules. Now, mm-hmm. my 10-year-old, my the older son, he's a stickler for rules. And he will call out his little brother right away, and he might say, hey, you're cheating. <laughs> we'll immediately interject. Mm-hmm. Not to the seven-year-old. Let's even say the seven-year-old cheated at that moment. Yeah. We won't even call attention to that. We'll just kind of put it out there to the 10-year-old, oh, it's okay. In our family, we don't cheat. And then we look at the seven-year-old, right? He says, right. Lesson delivered. Message delivered. In our family, we don't cheat. That's all there is to it. So I don't have to ask him, why did you cheat? Or I don't Mm. have to tell him, don't cheat. If we say that enough times, in our family, we don't cheat. In our family, we're respectful to elders. In our family, we put first things first. We do homework before playing. You know, just putting it out there. That's what we do in our family. That's their identity. And they're yeah. going to grow up with that. Absolutely. And then it, there's no need to resort to shouting or right. criticizing. You just say, this is what we do in our family. Yes. End of discussion. Yes. <laughs> well, there can be a discussion, but <laughs> they disagree, I suppose. But <laughs> That's it. But it can be a discussion, not a, why did, you know, a criticism. I or, know. Or a fight. It could be a discussion. I know. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Ooh, the last one, R, is a good one. R, the R. So, okay, let's get into the R. We've just talked about uh, the I is identity, the S, superpowers, the U is unlimited, gratitude, the P is purpose, E is for empathy, and R is resilience. Resilience. This one is so important to me. Um, I, I want to share another book with you. It is by Angela 
uh, Angela Duckworth. I think she's a doctor, Dr. Angela Duckworth, and it's called Grit. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the subtitle is The Power of Perseverance. I found Angela Duckworth a few years ago from her TED Talk, and I absolutely fell in love with her work. Yeah. Grit just talks about the importance of teaching our kids resilience. And it, it taught me this concept of the fixed versus growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who maybe have kids in elementary school or middle school, you might have heard these terms before. But fixed mindset is a mindset where you essentially feel like whatever you've got, that's all you've got. You were born with it. It's almost like the nature versus nurture conversation. Or right. what, was it born or bred? Some people are just born uh, out, uh, outgoing. or Some people are just born good at math. Some people are just born fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. That's the fixed mindset. But we've learned, science has proven that there is something called a growth mindset that says, it doesn't say I can't do that. It says I can't do that yet. Yeah. (laughs) I'm right there. Well, (laughs) the fixed fixed mindset emphasizes the results. Yes. Where the growth mindset emphasizes the process. The process. It's Ooh. not just you're not where you are and you're not stuck where you are. Mm-hmm. You have potential if you work at it. You, and mm-hmm. then you take challenges as opportunities. That's it. To grow and to learn. That's it. And not just say, oh, I'm not smart enough for that. Or I, I can't do that. That's it. Or even try to put yourself into a box and saying, well, I'm not going to challenge myself because then I will look bad. Oh, that's it. Right. That's it. Uh, let, let me let me um, illustrate with my two kids again, Jody. So my tenure, both of my kids are, you know, they're blessed to be good at school. They get good grades. And my 10-year-old in particular, he does well at soccer and piano, and he's used to excelling at a few things. Now, we went bowling over the holidays mm-hmm. with um, their grandparents. And my 10-year-old was not having a good game. His grandpa is like a semi-professional bowler. So he's bowling all these fancy curve bowls and getting turkeys, you know, three strikes in a row. And my 10-year-old is throwing gutter balls. Now, Mm -hmm. he's also my introverted kid. He's very much like me. And so he's very sensitive. So failing like that in his eyes, failing in a public setting, ooh, that was doing a number on him. Yeah. And even though every, we were all encouraging him after every gutter ball, very quickly, I could see his, his mood spiral. It was a downward spiral, oh. Jody. It was a downward spiral. Now, my, seven, yeah, my seven-year-old, right? He's also throwing gutter balls, okay? But he is my happy-go-lucky social butterfly, you know, not a care in the world. And after every ball, before the moment the ball leaves his hand, he turns back toward us and starts doing a dance. Okay. He's doing a dance. He doesn't even know what the result is, Jody. He, he got his ball down the, he's doing a dance. So I sat down next to my 10 year old. Okay. And, and he gets sensitive. My 10 year old does about being corrected in front of people. Mm-hmm. I've learned this about him and it's similar to how I react. So I'm like, let me tread gently. Don't give him advice. First start with encouragement. I give mm-hmm. him a little bit of encouragement. Hey, you know, don't worry about it. You're doing fine. Don't worry. Now he's not buying. He's not buying it. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of give him a little bit of advice, but then I tell him, you know, we've talked about this. Don't worry about the score. Just focus on the process because if you focus on the score, you're going to, that's, you're not bowling very well right now, score wise. And so that will make you bowl less poorly which mm-hmm. will make your score even worse, which will make you feel <laughs> even worse, yeah. which will make it's a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. I told him, don't worry about the numbers. You just focus on trying to get that ball a little bit down the middle of the lane. Just try to do that. Focus on the process. So mm-hmm. he, he didn't really want to hear it, but he made a, a few little tweaks. And, you know, maybe he got two pins on the next one. And then he got four pins on the one after that. Then he got six pins. And before we left, you know, he came, he came in last score-wise, but he, he got one strike. Wow. And Jody, you would have thought that he won the world championship of bowling. That's <laughs> awesome. He, he trusted the process, Jody. Yeah. Yeah. He trusted. The, and, and as grown-ups, a lot of times we forget to trust the process. Mm-hmm. We get nervous when our kid gets a bad grade or when our kid makes an, a mistake or embarrasses mm-hmm. us in public. We, we, we get stressed out when we make a mistake as a parent. But if we can 
commit to that resilience if we can believe that the obstacle is the way, that if we haven't mastered something, we simply haven't mastered it yet, nothing can stop us. I love that. And I have a saying up on my wall. It says, every expert was once a beginner. Ooh. You know, it's just keep that in mind. But even still, when you talk about as parents, that uh, it's about the process. We're never going to be perfect parents. <laughs> and so you just embrace the process. Mm. Of whatever it, the next thing that you need to learn, or the next thing uh, that will help you in your growth and your pro and your progress. That's true. Even if we never become perfect at something or expert at this or that, the process is really what's most important. And valuing the relationships above our our perceived, you know, embarrassments or you know things like that. Mm-hmm. That uh, it's about the process. That's yes. a really key. Yes. Ingredient. Yes. Yes. There's a saying that I love. Um, it's attributed to Bill Gates. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if he's the original um, author, but it goes like this. Most people overestimate what they can get done in a year. Mm-hmm. And most people underestimate what they can get done in 10 years. Mm-hmm. If we, instead of setting those one-year goals, set those 10-year goals, if we can commit to the fact that overnight success doesn't happen overnight, if we can remember, looking at Malcolm Gladwell's book, I think it was Outliers, mm-hmm. he, he built on uh, other people's studies that found that most experts in the world have committed 10 hours of focused, dedicated practice to their craft. That's 10,000 10, 10, hours. 10,000 hours of failure. Okay. (laughs) It's 10,000 hours of failure. They will tell you that if you're practicing a craft and you're doing it smoothly, you're not practicing right. Why? Because you're not failing. Right. The growth only happens in the failure, Jody. Mm -hmm. The growth doesn't happen when we do it right. So if we, if we keep on doing it right, we're not growing. We've mastered that level. Yeah. But life is full of levels. And if you are at a place right now where you are just kicking butt, you are hitting home runs, you've outgrown that level. Mm-hmm. You need to move to the next level and start failing again. Turn <laughs> on that resilience muscle. Get your failure on. I like to tell kids when I go, I want you to fail. <laughs> I want you to fail. I actually tell my, my kids' teachers this when we have parent-teacher meetings. Mm-hmm. Because one of their gifts happens to be uh, academics. So mm-hmm. if they get all, you know, all excellent grades, I tell my, their teachers, I need you to push my kids harder. Mm-hmm. I need to see them struggling. Mm-hmm. Not because I want them to stay in the struggle, right. but because I want them to grow, Jody, through yeah. the struggle. That's a, there's a book called The Talent Code, and oh. he explores that, you know, what it is about really talented people yes. that allows them. It's not that they have talent. It's that they took their talent, added work, and it became a skill. Yes. And, and the way that these talented kids who turn their turn talents into skills is that they don't just practice so many hours over and over and over again doing the same things. Mm-hmm. They listen, like say they're practicing an instrument, they listen for the parts where they messed up and they go back and they, they practice those parts yes, ma'am. again and again Yes, ma'am. until they get it right. They don't keep doing the same things and saying, oh, well, I did a good job. I did a great, because then they're never going to grow. They go back and revisit the things that are challenging and hard for them. And that's where they push themselves. So that then right. they get better. That's and so right. then it becomes a skill that becomes something beyond what they could, then they start to become the expert in that, in that thing. <laughs> so it, it's allowing them to develop it. The talent plus work equals skill. That's it. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I love it. Awesome. Well, Balaji, I really appreciate you coming. I loved this conversation. This is so awesome. Let's conclude. And I want you to share with us uh, where we can find you, where we can find your books. Because I, you know, these are, this is an amazing resource and I really want to share with my audience how we can find you. Certainly, Jody. I've got to say this has been very humbling. Uh, it, it's been an honor. I know the sort of guests that you have on the show and I've listened to you. I know you're, I've observed your heart 
for children and for families. So I do have to extend a heartfelt thank you. Oh, uh, this, thank you. This is one of the highlights of the year for me. So I really do appreciate it. Um, folks, you can find me online. My website is braveyoungheroes.com. That's H-E-R-O-E-S, braveyoungheroes.com. So I'm on a mission right now to help every child in the world have a superhero that looks just like them. And listen, we're all as parents on this journey together. We're all on this journey together. We're all trying to raise future world changers, right? And the only way we can do it is as a village. The only way we can do it is uh, to work together. So you'll notice in a lot of the best superhero movies, the heroes aren't necessarily working alone. The Mm -hmm. Avengers don't work alone. The Fantastic Four doesn't work alone. The Justice League doesn't work alone. And so parents, we need people like Jody to bring us all together. And if we work together, we very well might raise the next generation that changes the world. Oh, thank you so much, Balaji. He is such a cool guy. It was so much fun talking to him. And I love his energy and the knowledge that he has and the messages that he is sharing through his books and through Brave Young Heroes. Again, you can find Balaji at braveyoungheroes.com. And you can go over to my show notes at homeandfamilyculture.com to see his links, find him on social media, and also check out the other references that we made in this episode. Thank you once again for listening to my podcast, the Home and Family Culture Podcast. You can find me on iTunes and Stitcher and also on YouTube. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Family Culture Podcast or underscore Family Culture. Please head over to your favorite podcast medium and give me a five-star rating. I'd really love it if you would comment and share and rate and help support this podcast, not just by listening, but also making it a part of what you share to other people and what you can give to other families who want to listen. Thank you so much for your support.